five leadership pitfalls to avoid today on Small Business Hustle. Thanks so much for joining me. I am going to share with you just five of the potential pitfalls in leadership. And if you are able to identify these in yourself or another, you can start helping to make the change to improve that leadership and make a difference in your organization. Welcome, welcome to the Small Business Hustle. And hello, hello, I'm Molly B, your host and owner of MJ's Market, a small general store in South Dakota. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss operating a small business. So glad you guys are able to join me today. Uh, we are going to talk about a really interesting topic today uh, that has been you know, talked about for ages in different ways, and it is how to transform your leadership style. And uh, we're we're going to talk about it in um, a Molly-esque way, in the way that I uh, like to see some of these um, particular, oh, habits that, that I, I notice other leaders do. And so we're going to talk about uh, five different leadership challenges And we're also going to um, talk about ways that you can apply that. It doesn't have to be like just in a business setting or in a manager setting. Um, I do, I'm talking about leadership. And so with leadership, this could be, you know, in any setting in your life, it could be with your family or your loved ones. Uh, So you can, you can kind of look at every one of these in a way that can apply to multiple places in your life. And uh, to get started today, I just really wanted to share a fun quote. Uh, with you from Aristotle, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And I think what's really interesting about this quote for me is that it's what we what we are what we repeatedly do. So that means if you are not doing good leadership things, like we talk about uh, in the in the chat today, you will see how you're going to continue that cycle. And so you can really work on that excellence uh, as a habit. And um, so the first thing I want to know is, have any of you really thought about um, what a toddler does when they get frustrated to try to get their way? Like what, what are some of the things that a toddler does to show that they're frustrated? Um, maybe they throw their hands up, they throw themselves down, you know, little tantrum, they scream, right? Uh, they maybe toss things uh, around to try and get their way. Is that kind of a, a a a good analogy of of what you would see a toddler do um, when they get mad? Okay. Uh, well, imagine the same with a manager or a leader that isn't highly developed. Okay, you've probably all seen this manager or this leader. Um, they like to try to lead with fear or intimidation. So they try to kind of um, bully their employee into doing what they want or doing things how they want. Um, and and I, I like to look at that as, oh, okay, well, they could just be a jerk, right? But I've known some of these people and they're not jerks. But I think it goes deeper than that in that they don't know how to get the result they want as a, as a manager. And so really in that way, their management style is as developed as a toddler's emotional intelligence is developed. 
And so when you can really relate to that and see that, you know, maybe it's yourself, maybe you are the one who is acting like a toddler when your employees aren't doing what you want. Um, If you have enough um, ability to recognize that in yourself, this is going to be a great chat. We can have a great talk. Uh, For the most part, um, I would guess that a lot of these people are not realizing that and that this this is going to be something that you're going to have to to teach them, show them, and kind of give them these pieces. Um, I, I I don't know how you how you get them to stop being a toddler in their management style, but I will show uh, some of the things that they resort to. And if you can see these behaviors in yourself, you can start to tweak them and make them uh, a little bit better. So uh, one the first challenge is when a manager or a leader does not know what motivates your employee. This will just lead to disaster. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter if you have a high school kid working for you. There's something that motivates them, right? And what is that thing? And it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. For some, you know, let's say it's a high school kid. Let's stick with that. Some of them, it's going to be money. They want money, right? Um, But you you might think that it's a one-size-fits-all because they all want money. But then you'll find out that some are different than others. And the fact that Money only leads to what actually motivates them. They want money to hang out with their friends or to buy the things that they want. So now they what is important to them is to have money to lead the lifestyle they want. The other one, maybe you have two high school students. The other one might be completely motivated by money because they want to save their money. They have a big picture plan. Um, Maybe they want to buy a particular um, expensive thing. And so they're putting their money away for that. And so those two employees actually aren't motivated by the same thing. Um, one is motivated by their lifestyle. The other is motivated by money, but it looks on the surface like they might both be motivated by money. So really not knowing what motivates your employee is a great way to lead to disaster. Uh, you really need to know like what what is their purpose here? Is it learning? Is it developing themselves, moving further on in life? Um, is this a stepping stone? Because, you know, I I managed a lot of people where I was a stepping stone for them. And that was okay for me because the job that I offered at the business that I was running was not always a glamorous role. And so I needed those people who were willing to do the stepping stone so that I could keep the business operational. I needed them. And then the people who it wasn't their stepping stone, I focused on developing them into leaders. But the people who were the stepping stone people, I said, okay, well, what is your motivation? And I would actually have conversations with them. I didn't specifically say, like, what motivates you? Because <laughs> people don't answer that question. They don't know. They don't know how to do it. it. It just doesn't work. But I would learn that, okay, maybe this employee needs to build a resume. And so especially with a college student, if they were going to school, um, for a particular field, I always wanted to know what that field was because then I would relate to them the things in the business that related. I had a psychology major once. And so I said, well, why do we put heavy things up by the front doors? Why do we put this water up at the front door? I, I don't know. I guess people really want water. It's like, okay, that might be part of it. But the other part is, yeah, people want water, but they aren't going to carry it through the store. So what are they going to do? They're maybe going to grab this water and they're going to put it in a shopping cart. And they find that people who are carrying around a shopping cart instead of just walking through the store are going to spend more dollars. So it's a, it's a psychology piece, right, to get them to get that shopping cart. So I would always flip things into that, and they would find that interesting. It would get to what really, truly motivated them, which is learning about psychology and 
And that's not going to be the same for every psychology major even. But the idea is, is that um, I would discuss with them the types of things that made sense to them. And then therefore, they wanted to do good things for me because I was hitting a chord with them and showing and putting in the work that I cared about what was important to them, what motivated them. Uh, So challenge number two, okay? Uh, So this one is, um, as a leader, if you don't realize that you don't get to pick one style to teach, you're going to be in trouble. You have to adapt your learning style to each employee. And so I, I used to have many different ways that I would teach the same things. Uh, some employees I would find, you needed to just sit down with them and explain it to them and write it all down. You would say, okay, I want you to build the display and you'd write down, build the display. And this is how you're going to do it. And, and I, <laughs> I used to have some situations and I, I think the way that I learned these things is from trial and error when I, I had a, a, a time in the past in which the disastrous result came about, I spent the time to really discuss with myself, like, why did this go so wrong? And how can I make it better in the future? And then in the future, I would apply those tactics. And so one of the examples was if they would go to build a display, I would say, okay, so, you know, first you want to go get the new stuff gathered, and then you can take the old stuff off the display and just put the new display up immediately. And then you're done with the new display. And then now you can go put away all the old stuff wherever it goes, whatever you're supposed to do with it. So, and then I would walk them through that and I would say, okay, you're going to need two carts and this is how you're going to do it. And I would really just very clearly define that. And then they would go do it and they would learn how to work from that. Because to attack the project for some people is really difficult. You really have to break it down for them. And then once they go through with it, then they're set. Next time I can be like, hey, I need you to do this. And they're going to be like, I know how to do that. I did it so well last time. I've got this. I got it figured out. Um, and then there's there's some employees where you really need to stand with them side by side and you need to say, okay, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And if if after standing side by side with them, they are not learning and able to do it in the future, you have them in the wrong role and you need to look at different ways you can utilize that employee. Um, and then some employees, you can just say like, hey, this is what we need to get done. And they have it. They're going to be able to figure out how to tackle it and how to go after it. Uh, But you have to be prepared as a leader that if that person is going to break it down and go after it on their own, they're going to come up with a different way of doing things than you. And you need to be okay with that. You need to support them and you need to realize that they have the potential to be a leader, but that you need to support their leadership decisions. And that can be really hard for some people. Um, Just because they're not an exact replica of you doesn't mean that it's wrong. And so that's another piece that, you know, we could go into for for probably a couple hours. Uh, All right, on to challenge three. So favoritism is only a place when you pick your friends. You do not want to use favoritism in a leadership role at all. Um, It will spell disaster. And this goes with everything, like unless your company um, has a very defined policy of um, of a hierarchy and saying that, you know, longer term employees have a hierarchy of getting a special schedule. If, if you have that process in place, then fine. But if you don't, do not use favoritism when you do your schedules, because I promise you it will lead to disaster. 
Um, if it's, well, this employee's so much better than all these other employees, well, what are you doing as a manager to lift up those other employees? What are you doing to make sure that they are getting as good as that best employee? And if you always put them on um, terrible shifts and you make them bitter and hate the job and the role, they're never going to get better. And you're just going to continue this cycle of of transitioning to new team members and constantly hiring. And then you're never going to have anybody who's as good as that number one employee. Uh, One of the other challenges I had is in a situation where, where we were at, we did not have any defined, you know, employees all were, you know, supposed to be kind of scheduled equal. Um, You know, you weren't supposed to get, oh, well, I get a special schedule because I've been here longer. That, that was not a thing. And, and I backed that a lot because if you have scheduling like that, um, in some environments, and this is not all environments, some environments that can be motivating, hey, if I stay here longer, I'm going to get this better schedule. But in other environments, um, it means, man, I'm never going to get a decent schedule in this place unless everybody else quits, <laughs> because that's just the nature of this environment. And so now all of a sudden, you're demotivating where you are and you're, you're, favoritiz- you're using favoritism with one employee and you're demotivating everybody else. And so I, I'm kind of against this. Um, I, I can see in some situations where it can be helpful and it can be a good, a good process. But in, in most situations, it's not a good plan. Um, and, and you need to just work on lifting up those employees. You know, let's say you're open seven days a week and mornings and evenings. Um, you know, uh, now all of a sudden your best employee gets all Monday through Friday day shifts and your other employees, your new employees only get night shifts, only get um, weekend shifts. Um, they're, they're, first of all, they're not going to enjoy that. Uh, unless, unless, uh, I mean, unless that's really what they are, but you're probably also depriving them, um, opportunities to, to work with different people and to up their skills. So overall, I mean, just, uh, yeah, favoritism is, is not a good plan. I had, um, I had a manager who loved, uh, favoritism and, um, and did some really, really pointed favoritism um, tactics and uh, felt that it was totally justified. And so her employees um, got back at her uh, by all deciding to quit within a short time period. Um, So she was short uh, one employee. um, So she only had um, four left and um, three of them timed their their notice. They, They knew in advance that, you know, two of them knew in advance that they were going to be quitting uh, well in advance, but instead they just waited until the very two weeks. And um, so within about three weeks, lost uh, 75% of her workforce, besides the fact that she was already um, understaffed. So that type of situation um, is an example of how favoritism can be really horrible. And had that favoritism not been occurring, um, they they would have probably been a little bit better about saying like, hey, here's a heads up. I found something different or I'm moving across the country. <laughs> I'm going to give you a heads up because I know about that way more than two weeks in advance. Um, so, you know, anyways, uh, it's very important that if you're going to have favoritism, you only do that with your friends because if you do it in other situations, it's probably going to come back to bite you. Uh, all right. On to challenge four. So challenge four is for those leaders who kind of have no leadership at all. Um, these ones, I'm, you know, a lot of times these these leaders, um, what they lack is communication. They're just not good at communicating with others. 
And this is a really hard one to redirect because if they've gotten into a leadership role and didn't know how to communicate before they got there, they have now been validated in their lack of leadership and communication. And sometimes um, the role they had previous didn't require the same type of communication that their new role does. And so then that's where they fall flat. Um, so, I mean, it is possible for them to improve it, but they're still going to have to see that it's a problem that they have. And sometimes that can be that can be hard. Uh, a lot of times these types of leaders um, that, that are not giving that communication, that direction, um, also feel like it's just easier if I do it myself. Like, I know how to do this. I'm going to do it better. It's going to take me way longer to teach this other person how to do it. They'll probably mess it up anyways. Um, this isn't out of they may seem as though they're kind of putting other people down, but really what it comes down to is back to that communication, right? They think they can't teach someone else to do it because their communication is not very good. And it might even go back into that challenge too, where they're trying to just teach this one way. This is the way that I teach. This is the way that you need to figure out how to learn. So instead of adapting their style, they're just trying to teach one way and the the other person is not understanding what it is they want. And then because they don't have good communication, when it isn't done the way they want, they don't come back to the other person and say, hey, this is not the result we wanted. Let's work on this. Let's see if we can do this better. So it's it's really an interesting dynamic. Um, and so so basically what it looks like to the employees and to the people under their leadership is that they're just giving no leadership at all. They're not giving any communication. They're not giving any direction. And so now if you have um, good employees mixed with maybe some lazier um, or more apathetic employees, uh, what you're going to get is frustration of your good employees. Um, and, and this is especially uh, important to note. The frustration um, of the good employees is going to come because it seems as though the leader is apathetic and doesn't, you know, has no concern for the outcome or the the laziness of these perceived other employees. And so this, you can get a, a few different things that will happen. Um, this also happens with um, that manager who leads by fear um, or by intimidation. What will happen is um, you'll get maybe a pack mentality. So um, they will, maybe the person who is not very good at their job, will be the odd man out. And so um, instead of trying to help that person and lift them up and make them part of the group, um, it's more natural for um, the the pack to kind of push them out and to force compliance by bullying and ostracizing. And and they I don't even know if they really, really understood that that's what they're doing. Um, it's just so inherent in our um in our culture, in the way that we do things, and that to to be aware of it is one of the most important things because then you can go, oh my gosh, this is what's not working. And so, really, just you know, I always um I always had challenges with this. Sometimes I would have some people who just weren't weren't very good at their job, and uh, so I would have a little bit of a challenge with just trying to prevent the odd man out mentality, anyways. Uh, and I would I would say, you know, ha, is that how you really want to treat people? Is that how you really want to be? Like, if I saw it, I would try to stop it. And I would try to, um, you know, discuss with them like, hey, maybe you need to try this, this and this. But we don't ostracize people. That's not what we do here. Because uh, I just never wanted to be the the point of someone feeling that way. What an awful way to be um, to to make people feel that way. And so 
This is is very apparent in situations where the leader does not give good communication and is not really showing leadership at all. And so that is definitely a huge problem. Um, and, and if you can be aware of how you're not doing this and to try to correct it um, and try to try to course correct on that. So um, another one, challenge five, is always pointing out what is wrong. Um, this is so prevalent in relationships. So in marriages, this is uh, bosses do this a lot. This is just a huge scenario where we always have to point out what is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. The trash has not been taken out. The, you know, the the dishes aren't clean, um, you know, whatever it may be. Instead of going around and pointing out what is right, okay? And so that is something that takes a lot of conscious effort. And depending on how you were raised and how you grew up, it might take an amazing amount of conscious effort to go around and say, this is what is right. This is what is good. And I always uh, taught my managers that this is like um, putting deposits in the bank. So I can't come to you and say, hey, the store's a mess if I've never put in any deposits. Because saying the store's a mess, I'm displeased with what you've done, is, is a withdrawal from the bank, right? It's, it's saying, hey, this is not good. We need to work on this. We need to fix this. But if I've deposited into the bank and said, wow, you have done X, Y, and Z really well. I am so happy about that. Now I can come back in a week or a month or the next day and I can say, hey, (laughs) this is not good. Because now all of a sudden I have earned some respect. I've earned some, some positive points. I have that deposit in the bank that I can take and I can say, hey, we need to do this better. And I don't have to get mad about it, right? I don't have to pull the toddler situation because I've already put the deposits in the bank. We can just have a good conversation. I don't need to do any kind of intimidation or any kind of fear. I And why would I want to? Think about how that impacts you as a person to get angry and mad because something isn't done. Why not just have a calm and collected conversation to say, hey, I was kind of expecting uh, this to be done and done well, and I don't see that that's the case. What is going on here? And have that conversation. And, and you know what? It's okay whether it's a good employee or whether it's an employee that you're having a problem with. They could give you every excuse in the book because maybe they really are just lazy. And that's fine. You still don't have to get angry. You need to go back to what is motivating this employee. And if you can figure out what motivates them, you're going to get better results, okay? Um, I remember I had an employee uh, who was a manager, and she was, she was just always going to do the good thing, the right thing. She had never been in trouble in, like, her entire life. And I, she was just baffled when people just didn't care. And I said, you know what motivates this person? Not getting written up. That's all they care about. I didn't get written up today. So yeah, it's sad, but you are not motivated by the same things as this person. So you have to stop acting like they are motivated by the same things that you are. Um, so anyways, uh, so now I think one of the things that can be really important as a manager is to sit down and define what your team expects from you. As a leader, they expect things from you, whether you can realize it or not. And um, a lot of times, it's really hard to define. Even if you asked your employees, what do you expect from me? They would say, I don't know. I have no idea what you're asking. This is such a weird question. So you're going to have to really think about it yourself. 
Um, there's probably a lot of HR tasks, so they expect you to hire people. They don't want to be shorthanded. They don't want to maybe be asked to pick up lots of extra shifts. They don't want to be stressed out because things aren't getting done. So hiring is a way that you prevent that, right? You keep a full team. Um, they expect you to like determine a schedule. They need to know when they're supposed to be at work and when other people are supposed to be at work. Uh, and then they expect guidance and communication. They expect you to say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it because they want to just do those things. They want to be able to accomplish those tasks. And this is a really hard one for a lot of managers. Um, They expect you to hold others accountable. So whether it's to hold them accountable to come to their shift, hold others accountable to do what you asked them to do. And so a lot of times you can plan and you can do but you really need to spend some time on review. So if you spend some time reviewing, how did this go? How was this? And um, sometimes that means taking the time to review with the employee what their behavior is like and um, what things they are are and are not getting done. And you're going to prevent a lot of that odd man out and pack mentality problems if you do those things as a leader. So I'm so glad you guys got to join me with some of the pitfalls that I've seen in leadership um, through my different roles and different places. Um, There's probably a bazillion more things that we could talk about, but, uh, you know, we don't have all day. So (laughs) I thought we would just uh, touch base on those. Um, Don't be a toddler in your leadership. Make sure you lift yourself up and really focus on being a manager that leads, that truly leads um, by knowing what motivates your employees. And realizing that you need to change and adapt your teaching style. Um, Don't play favorites. It's not a good situation. Um, Make sure that you're communicating, giving that leadership, really being out there. and, And then focus on positivity in your life because it will just bring you so much more happiness. Um, so those are some of the, the, the keys in my opinion to leadership. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, I know there's so much more out there we could talk about. So what is it you think that I should have touched on today? Thank you for joining me this week on the small business hustle. I would love to hear your feedback so I can better serve you. And don't forget to subscribe so you can catch me next week where we'll continue to talk about small business. If you found value in this podcast, you can show your support by sharing our podcast with your audience and your friends. We appreciate you and please spread some positivity today. I promise it will do you wonders.